0: passion project sounds like a cliche until you actually are doing it. And it's when you're doing it, when you find something and you go, wow, this is really what I was meant to do. This is really what I love. I don't find it to be a chore. Every time I do it, I'm like, Oh, I should do this more. It's not like, Oh God, I got to finish with this. I just want to do it. And then I save an animal and I connect it with the right person and it feels good and they feel good. And it just sort of snowballs and you think, yeah, this is what I was meant to do. And you, just like anything, you get overwhelmed and you think, oh, I, I, I you know, maybe should pull back it a little bit. I'm, I I'm maybe overextending myself, but then you think, no, no, I really love this. I really enjoy this and I, I want to do as much as I can. So I really feel like this is where I was meant to be. Hi, I'm Ricarda from the Dexter Foundation and you're entering a world gone good.
1: Well hello, my name is Steve and this is the place where we gather every Wednesday or whatever day you are listening but Wednesday is technically our day we put up new episodes so you're just going to deal with it. To shine the light into the darkness and give us a good reminder of all the good that is still out there. Are you sharing us with your friends? You're 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 not? Are you embarrassed of us? I'm sorry, do we embarrass you? Okay. We are good. You are good. Let's find more good people just like us. The world needs more people like us, don't you think? Share us on your social media. Subscribe wherever you're listening right now. Give us a rating and even better, a good review each and every time you do each and every one of these good things. You help us find new listeners and new listeners find us. And for that, as always, we say thank you. Okay, so if you've listened previously, you may have heard me mention we have three dogs and a cat. Many people hear this news and immediately clutch their imaginary pearls. I gasp, how on earth can anyone have three dogs and a cat? I got to tell you, and I feel like some of you other good people out there who are in similar situations will probably back me up. One dog is a lot of work. But when you get a second or gasp a third, it's actually easier. They form a pack and they have each other. And sure, it's more food and poop bags. But you also find yourself going out for a dinner and not being like, oh, we have to get back to the dog when the server offers the dessert menu. Because when you have two or three, you're like, they're fine. They have each other. I'll have the chocolate souffle and the apple crumble. Fuck them. Um, (laughs) We'll get home when we fucking get home. Okay. It was always my dream to have a house filled with animals. Another dream of mine was to become bionic, so let me have three dogs and a cat if you aren't going to let me run around in slow motion and jump over buildings. God! Um, I do that God for you because that always makes my friend Lisa laugh. I always go, God! Sometimes I just text it when she says something, all caps. God! Try it. It's really fun. Okay. We have had other rescues on our show before, from the Gentle Barn to Vintage Pet to Sama Farm and more, but today's guest is extra special and extra good. Because she is a long time friend. (music) Ricardo Franco took her love of dogs and turned it into the Dexter Foundation. This is her and their doggone good story. Well, I don't believe this is actually happening. I had to, let's see, bribe, bully, um, send a hit man, <laughs> shame. blackmail, yeah, shame, sure. shame. <laughs> but you are here. Yay. Here you are finally. in a world gone good, finally. <laughs> Yay. Ricarda, yes, I I'm so happy that you're here. You have been a topic of conversation by several people, including your very favorite, uh, a woman named Georgia. I believe you know.
0: Ah, uh, yes, yes, yeah, a former adopter and now friend,
1: and now friend. Yes. So you you have a love of animals. Yes. Where did this start?
0: Um, you know, it's like everyone. I've always loved animals, so. Um, it just sort of snowballed. I never saw it as my like mission or journey to go into saving animals or saving dogs, but um I started long time ago, I started like just donating here and there to little good causes, and I long about thought you know sometimes they need people actual boots on the ground. they need people to do stuff that maybe ten dollars here or there didn't really help. and so I volunteered with a dog rescue. And before you know it, one thing led to another, it snowballed and I started my own rescue with a friend of mine from that rescue so that we could save dogs who really weren't getting saved, the overlooked ones who like were maybe not that um, desired by the other rescues. So it before you know it, you're just in over it
1: and it's it becomes something like your passion project. And it is a passion project for you because Absolutely. you have you have your own full-time job on the side. Yes. Or yes. maybe – My
0: own full-time job on the side. Absolutely. Like how
1: I said, that that's on the side. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Because this is your passion.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's funny because passion project sounds like a cliche until you actually are doing it. And it's – when you're doing it, when you find something and you go, wow, this is really what I was meant to do. This is really what I love. I don't find it it's to be a chore Every time I do it, I'm like, "Oh, I should do this more." It's not like, "Oh, God, I gotta finish with this." I just want to do it, and then I save an animal, and I connect it with the right person, and it feels good, and they feel good, and it just sort of snowballs, and you think, "Yeah, this is what I was meant to do." And you, just like anything, you get overwhelmed, and you think, "Oh, I, 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 you know, maybe should pull back a little bit. I'm maybe overextending myself." But then you think, no, no, I really love this. I really enjoy this. And I, I want to do as much as I can.
1: So I really feel like this was where I was meant to be. Where did the name the Dexter Foundation come from?
0: Actually, I came up with that, which is um, a very interesting. Um, my uh, friend and and rescue partner who we started this with wanted to go with South Bay because she lived in the South Bay of Los Angeles, South Bay Boston Terrier and mixed breed dog rescue. And I thought, well, I wonder if that doesn't really roll off the tongue and it's really hard to type in to, you know, like Google, and I thought, maybe we can make an acronym mom and it, you know, like the letters will stand for something we will spell out like, you know, dog or, you know, something like that. And, and it just, nothing came to me and I thought, well, it will sound official if we have like foundation, it'll sound like it's more than just a couple of women doing stuff. So, um, I thought we could name it after one of our dogs and pay homage to one of our dogs. And my dog's name were Bonnie and Dolly and Bonnie and Dolly foundation sort of sounded to me like a name for wayward girls. you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought we might get the wrong crowd. So her dog was named Dexter. And so I said, well, let's call it the Dexter foundation. And she liked that. And this was, I have to make a note before Dexter, the serial killer was popular. So we, <laughs> we were not named after that. So.
1: Uh, that that either helped or, or hindered or who knows. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. People could have been typing in Dex to the show and said, oh, wait, I'll rescue a dog too, and then watch the show. So, you know,
1: yeah. Do you remember the very first dog that you guys, I shouldn't say that you guys, because you're two women running an organization, that right. you ladies right. rescued?
0: Yes. Yes, I do. But I don't remember that dog's name. But the funny part is, and, and I probably shouldn't say funny because it really is not funny at all. We had been talking about this for years because we were working with another rescue and thought, well, there's so many dogs that this other rescue wouldn't take because they weren't purebreds or they weren't this or they weren't that. And, and we just wanted to take any dog who was going to be euthanized. If this dog was going to get killed, we'll take it. And so we sort of been working on this for years and finally, finally we did it. And so um, we took our first dog and we, um, like 2 days after we took our first dog uh, my friend got a pretty serious medical diagnosis and she said well i'm out <laughs> so i'm like wait you you were i was going to help you you were going to do it i i don't know what to do with this dog so um fortunately she did fine and um we moved on from there and, and we rescued many, many, many more dogs. And it was a very trial by fire. I learned everything I needed to know. And now we kind of hopefully do it seamlessly.
1: So something you said that's really important here about a passion project. Yes. Do you think that most people talk themselves out of their own passion projects?
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. Definitely. I think, you know, it's it's very easy to come up with excuses and not I- excuses of why this won't work or why it's going to be too time consuming or it just is not going to take off. And there are a hundred things that you can come up with. And it, like I said, we had been talking about it for a long time before we actually executed it. And it just, um, I think the easiest thing to do is to be self-doubting. that's our, everyone's fallback is to doubt
1: yourself and think, well, I can't do this. Or if I do it, it won't, fly. And- I don't know. I don't just to interrupt you. I think some straight white males out there don't really think that way. And yes. that's why I ask you. And that's honestly why I ask you that question because I'm a gay man and I, I second guess myself on everything. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's just, that's naturally in my head. No offense right. to all the straight white males who are still listening, who have right. stopped right. listening. You know what I'm saying? Right. 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 If we still
0: have them, yes. It, it's It would be nice if everyone were always self-confident and thinking this is going to be great and I'm going to conquer the world. But we did not, and but fortunately, we did it anyway, and I think we've done a lot of good. So,
1: so now, when you start to go down this path, yes. there's the business side, right? There's the passion right. side, there's the business side. Yeah, which of those do you feel you you've excelled at, and have you? I mean, both, obviously have you grown in that area? Because I've had, I had a woman on here named Deb Boulanger, who's amazing. She teaches women to start their own businesses, leave their jobs. And she's very, very, very pro business, 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 business. How much business is going on here?
0: A lot of business. And that's the part I'm terrible at. Um,
1: (laughs) Same. Same. I
0: just suck at it. There's a, a tremendous amount of record keeping and reports that have to be filed and things that have to be filed with the state government and the federal government and taxes and um, permits and all sorts of things that I really only learn about after I've missed the deadline. Then I get sort of a, you know, email or letter and go, oh, okay, yeah, that's right. I have to do that. And so, um, and I always go, okay, well, next year it's going to be different. I'm really going to be on top of this. But, you know, rescuing the dogs always comes first for me. And it would be nice if I had a more business oriented mind, but I don't. And so the record keeping and the business end of it is just terrible. I've recruited some people to help me with that, but I still need to delegate most of that and I still have trouble with it. So it just is. I accept myself for that.
1: I I, I ran my own business for years and I was just like, oh, shit. I was supposed to pay $900 tax. California exactly. State, that, when was that due? Oh, fuck. That was due three months ago, and now I owe them 1200 God,
0: love it. So yeah. I, uh- <laughs> I, I hear you, brother. I'm exactly the same way, and I just, oh, God. Yeah, just – I wish we could just do it in a vacuum and not have to do all that, so –
1: how does the organization work specifically? So what's the the tier down? Do you have a location, you know, like some rescues have? Do you have your own location? Or is it, um, is it more that you're just, you have volunteers who who go in and house and, and foster?
0: We are foster-based, and um, for two reasons. Number one, we can't afford a location, but <laughs> number two, and also equally as important, is I actually don't like a um, location-based rescue because when a dog comes into our home from the shelter, they have an opportunity to decompress and feel safe again, and their personality sort of evolves. And um, then we can say, oh, they're good with other dogs. They're not good with other dogs. They're good with meeting new people. They're not good with meeting new people. And then a dog, we can help them learn how to be potty trained again or walk on a leash again things that they may have forgotten or never learned, depending on what situation they came from. But imagine if you step out of prison, you are not going to be your best self on that day. So when someone comes to meet a dog, the dog may be scared or withdrawn or, or any number of things. And, and people go, oh, that's not a great dog. I mean, I have a hundred stories where dogs were labeled as behavioral issues and they weren't. They were just wonderful dogs who were scared of being in prison. And so just give them the opportunity to decompress in a home with a family. They feel safe. And these like wonderful, wonderful dogs emerge.
1: Yeah. When I work with the Santa Barbara Humane Society, when I work with the Palm Springs Animal Shelter, same story. And we always talked about this as like there's a decompression process. You're going to take the dog out of the kennel, right, that they've been living in. This isn't the dog. You know, that's that's, you know, war torn prison dog. This dog needs two to three weeks to a month to months to find find their way again. So how many volunteers do you have at one time? And is it the same per Like, is it the same people where you can call somebody up and it rotates and they they foster for a while and then they adopts out?
0: Yes, I have a core group of people who I um, utilize regularly to foster. And then I have um, a group of people who just, they don't want to foster or can't foster, but they're happy to drive somewhere to pick up a dog from a shelter. And that's great too, because I can't always drive someplace to pick up the dog. And um, so we have people who sort of want to do different things, and which is great because we don't require you to like show up every Tuesday from four to six You can pop in and pop out. We have people who are teachers and, you know, they're very busy during the summer and not so busy during the school year. We have people who, you know, are students or retirees and and they can help as they wish to. And it's, it's, so I just sort of keep everybody on my phone and and then try to like call people when I'm finding a dog that needs help.
1: Well, I have been a drive-by for you as I like to call it. Yes, you um. have been a drive-by. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've, I've seen a note, or you've called me up, or whatever it is, and I'm like, yeah, I'm available. Where does it have to go? Right. Yeah, I'll go get. And I right. just throw the dog in the back of the car, and sometimes I bring one of my dogs with, so that the dog might have like a buddy, and and that right. usually works out well. But also, what we've done before in the past, uh, back in the day, is we have fostered on our own, and there was a dog yes. named Riley. Yes, mm-hmm. Riley. And I think Jim, my other half, found him, and you pulled him after seeing him. Is that right? Yes.
0: Yes, yes, that's right. He was at the shelter. And some dogs are not allowed to be adopted by the public for whatever reason, like if they're shy or um, deemed behavioral issues. And so they're rescue only, and so rescue can only go get them. And so if we send, say, well, Jim is a volunteer with our rescue, then he could pull up. But Jim, the public person, cannot pull the dog. So right. It's, Yeah, kind of
1: weird that way. Well, we took Riley and I remember and he was a puppy still and he was he looked like a little a tiny deer. He was yes. like, the, he was the funniest looking guy and he had a scruffy face and he would, he harassed the hell out of Hazel. Like he would not, the, the other, my big dog Hubie, he was terrified of, but little Hazel, he harassed her. But then if you remember, I had Hubie's 10th birthday party in the backyard. All the dogs came. Hubie yes. got, Hubie had a timeout cause she got a little crazy and I, it was very funny. I made her go in the bedroom and she just watched from the window her own party for about Aww. 10 minutes. Yep. Cause she needed timeout. But Riley was at the party. And my next door neighbors, Lauren and oh my God, Chuck, Chuck and Lauren, Chuck and Lauren show up. And the second they got there, Riley looks over at them and comes barreling at Chuck and goes airborne into Chuck's arms. And it was the craziest thing. And you were like poking me and we were poking each other. And then they kept quietly talking and stuff. And then they had three cats and I remember within the span of 15 minutes, you walk through their house and you just said, yeah, this is fine. Why don't you guys just take him for a little bit? Right. Uh, that was 12 years ago. <laughs>
0: yes. And they still have Riley.
1: They do. Yes.
0: Yes. I follow and them on Instagram. So.
1: Yeah. They moved. They moved to Rhode Island and they moved back, I think, to California. And he's like a, he's like an old man now. It's very funny. I think they yeah. got another dog. I think he has yes. a buddy now.
0: Yeah. It's great. They're a wonderful family. And that's. We find that the dogs often choose their owners that way. They just have sort of a connection, a bond they know. And uh, I, so many people come and they look, they're looking for one particular dog and another dog they just connect with. And it's sort of like finding a best friend or
1: a partner. You just know it when you know it. But I've never seen that happen before. I've, I've never, never seen, seen that either. Yeah. Riley ran at Chuck. And the funny thing was Lauren was Lauren had met Riley a few times when he was staying with us. And she kind of liked him. But Chuck said, no, no, no. We have the three cats. We can't have him. Right. And he, Riley was like, oh, I got to win you over? Watch this. <laughs> right. and, he, and, and it's the cutest thing ever. And they got along with the cats. It was amazing. Yes. Here's a question I have because it came up recently. You and I were talking about the Lancaster um, Shelter. And there was a dog there that I, we were interested in pulling and you said you couldn't, your foundation couldn't. Do you have to be registered with? Yes. Yeah. So how does that work?
0: Well, it's an awful lot of paperwork. Um, so that's why I don't register at every shelter because, again, the paperwork, uh, it's an awful lot of paperwork and you have to submit a letter from your vet, a letter from another rescue who vouches for you, a letter from a second rescue who vouches for you, um, all of this uh your federal paperwork, your state paperwork, your you know tax thing, and then you have to submit the like copies of driver 's license of every volunteer who may come to the shelter and just all sorts of things, and then you have to do monthly reports to the shelter, like we got this dog, and he 's now being fostered by this person. And then he is adopted, and these monthly reports—if they're late, you can lose your privileges—and so it's just a lot of paperwork to do each shelter. And some of the shelters, like LA County, has a couple of, and so you can get under that umbrella. And LA City is a different one, but you know, like Lancaster is its own, and San Bernardino is its own, and there's just so many little, little shelters that you're like, oh, so it's—it's it's not exactly easy to keep um, to to like be available to rescue any dog from any place. They don't make this it is easy the, do.
1: Yeah, this is that business side we talked about. Yeah. Now <laughs> do you have a goal each year of how many dogs you want to take in, foster, you know, get adopted? Is there a goal? Is there a number?
0: You know, there isn't a number, but it always ends up to be about the same. Um so we we've so far um so far I have rescued a thousand dogs. Um, wow which, yeah. know how many years? Um, in about twelve years. So holy crap. Yeah, it's a lot of dogs. And so it's just consistency. So we're rescuing about a hundred plus dogs a year. Um, some years less than others, some more than others, some months not so much, some months crazy. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago I got a call, somebody had you know wanted to surrender their dogs and I said, Okay, I'm gonna meet you in a parking lot someplace and I um, came to get two and I wound up with six. So I'm driving home thinking, okay, where am I going to go with these six dogs? So it's just, it sort of just happens. But over the years, we've rescued a thousand dogs and a thousand is a great success stories. So it just makes me so happy and proud to have saved that many dogs.
1: You should be very proud. Listen, one is Yay. a success story, let alone yeah. a thousand. I mean, yeah. come on. That's, that's just yeah. amazing. Now so we're legit now, so that you are now, yeah, now that you did a thousand, it's legit, <laughs> I feel like we've yeah we've made it, so do you have a craziest ever adoption story that always sticks in your head? Is there one
0: you know, um you know, I love all of our adopters, otherwise, I wouldn't give them a dog, like I really have to love these people, otherwise. I just feel like we put in so much of our time and energy to save these dogs that I really want to love every adopter. And I feel like they're all good fits. Um, So, you know, some of the crazy stories are really of the stories of the dogs, how that we got them out of the shelter. Um, Because um, so many times I will, you know, my phone rings during the day and like the majority of people I don't answer a call if I don't recognize the number, but for some reason, you know, one day I picked up uh, the call and they said, this is such and such shelter. And um, which happened to be a two to three hour drive from here. It was on the uh, East side of Riverside County. So from LA, that's a very long trip. And they said, we have this dog who seems like a good dog, but it was Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and they said, we have to clear the shelter before Thanksgiving, and that's a whole other story. But um, we, if you can get here by 5 o'clock, you can, you, you can rescue this dog. Otherwise, we have to put her down. Now, this is like a two-year-old, purebred, shih tzu, no behavioral issues, healthy. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm I'm at work. You know, it's too, too late. It was like four o'clock in the afternoon. I I don't, how am I going to get to Riverside County on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving? It's just, it's impossible. And I don't even have anyone to drive there. So I texted a bunch of people. Finally, someone said they could do it, even though I knew that was a fool's mission, because there's no way they're going to get anywhere in any amount of time. So they set out and then, you know, an hour later, they go. Traffic is really heavy. I'm like, "Wow, okay, I didn't see that coming." Okay,
1: sure. Right, right. Yeah. It's the day before Thanksgiving.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Heading out of L.A. No,
1: really. Oh
0: really? shoot, darn it. I'm so sorry. You know. And so um, I said, "Well, just keep, keep, keep going, because if you don't get there, you know, the dog's going to be euthanized." And so I called the shelter back, and there was this nice woman, and you could tell by her voice that she was very young. And I said, "You know, what time do you guys close? Because our our volunteers on the road." please don't close. And she said, well, I have to leave by six. We have to lock up. If the dog is here, they have, they're going to get euthanized because they're going to be closed for the Thanksgiving break, but they would continue to take in new dogs. So they needed the space and any dog whose time was up had to go. And that was that, that's how it went. And I'm like, oh my God. So I'm back and forth with this girl. And now it's like 545 and they're nowhere near the east side of Riverside County. So I said, I said, I said, this is the situation. We're on the way, please. I said, can I PayPal you money? Can you take the dog to your home? I don't know you, but please help us. What can you do? And, you know, she's like, I don't think I can do that. I don't know, blah, blah, blah. I can't just take the dog, you know. So there's all these rules that she can't just take animals home. So... Eventually, you know, it's like five fifty nine. She was, are they anywhere close? I'm like, no, of course they're not anywhere close. And she said, okay, I'll just sit here until they come. And she stayed there until ten p.m. Oh my and god! They, yeah, because that's how long it took to drive there. Um, so she stayed there. They showed up. She did the paperwork. They took the dog home. Beautiful, friendly, wonderful dog. Not a problem in the world. Not medical. Not behavioral. Just an absolute beautiful, wonderful dog who then got adopted to a very nice um, family and is like the light of their lives, helped them through COVID. It just, they love this dog. Like the owner, the adopter tells me constantly, you saved my family. My girls could not, like they have two girls in junior high who could not have survived COVID without this dog because we adopted her right before, like in February before the lockdown. So this was, you know, a godsend. So it all happened the way it should have been. And, and the best part of the story to me was that some random person just said, yes, I'll help you. And that's all it needs. It's just one person to do something good, and it snowballed. And, and now this family was saved, and these girls are mentally healthy, and this dog is alive. It just, it, 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 that's the kind of stories I like.
1: That's magic. And let me just yeah. say this about L.A. traffic. One time, Jim and I were going to go to Memorial Day okay. to Palm Springs— uh, nine hours later. Just for anyone listening, that yeah. drive should be two hours. If yeah. nine hours later, two rage-filled men with three dogs arrived in Palm Springs.
0: <laughs> right, right. It's just crazy. So it, the oh moral is: don't travel anywhere before Thanksgiving. Also, that
1: that is that is. Now let's talk for a second. COVID changed the game, right? Yes. Tons of people adopting dogs, shelters, yes. dogs coming out of the shelter, shelters emptied. Great news. Great news. And then I, two years later, people are dumping their dogs.
0: Yes. In fact, and I speak with other rescues and other volunteers and, and they've never seen the shelters so full. Right now, it's it's overwhelming how full the shelters are. It's disgusting how someone would say, you saved me. I needed you. Now hit the bricks. I don't need you anymore. I'm back to work. Sorry. (laughs) Just like the biggest, like the definition of a user, like I'll take you. Now I don't need you. So it just, it's, it's sad because we, um, rescues get sent. If you have privileges with one of the shelters, they'll send you out euthanasia lists. And you click on it and there'll be dozens of photos and descriptions of these will be the dogs. We need a rescue commitment by 4 p.m. Otherwise, this dog will be killed. And you read this, you know, at noon. and You're like, what? And it's not just one dog. It's pages and pages of dogs. And it's not just like aggressive pit bulls or things that you're thinking of. Like I said, this was a sweet purebred Shih tzu. A, you know, elderly, otherwise healthy dog. A perfectly fine puppy. There's just dozens and dozens and dozens of dogs every day from every shelter, I'm getting these emails. And it's just heartbreaking how full the shelters are. And so, you know, the more fosters we can have, the more dogs we can save. It's just a simple equation.
1: Yes. And it's a life lo- lifelong commitment, just like your kids. Yes. I know a lot of people would love to bring their kid to the shelter, you know, for a night or two, <laughs> just dump them off. Absolutely. Yeah. But this is like, it's not a TV, it's not a car, it's not a piece of furniture. It's a living, breathing, s- reliant animal that needs you. And whether it's a dog or a cat, it, it, it always gets me right in the chest. Yes. We end these shows with the same three questions. Don't worry, you know, you know all the answers. Totally easy question. Number one, where do people find the Dexter Foundation and how do they support you?
0: Um, our website is DexterFoundation.com and we have, um, a accounts on Instagram and Facebook and you can just keep up to date with our stories. Sometimes we ask for volunteers, sometimes we ask for donations, sometimes we ask for fosters. If you can't do any of those, you can at least share the story.
1: And the last two questions can go back to anything we talked about or anything you want to say. So question number one, who inspires you?
0: You know, I think it would be nice if we had like one person. If I think you'd be blessed if you had like, oh, my, my parent is really great or this person I met is really great and they've always helped me. But now in the digital age, there's so many places like anyone who's listening to your show said is looking for inspiration or, you know, y- there's so many different areas we can say, I'm going to take this and I'm going to take that from this area and that from that area. And you can just say, I want to do this and so many people have inspiring stories or missions and it it it's we're lucky to be living in the digital age where you can just get inspiration from anywhere on the globe
1: and the final question isn't even a question it's just a statement and you just finish it for me tell me something good
0: it is far easier to do something good than you think it's not a lot of time or commitment or it's sometimes just a word or a small act of kindness to someone, but it really snowballs and takes on its life of its own. And you may not even know it yourself, but it's so much easier to do good than you think and make a difference.
1: Thank you, Ricardo, for sharing your good. Visit the Dexter Foundation website to see how you, can support them and keep them doing good. Next time on World Gone Good. If it's not adding anything positive in my life, then I'm going to remove it so I can open space for something else that will add that positivity, that joy. What is good about social media? Are we, you and me and everyone spreading good when we are on our Instagrams and our Twitters and our Facebooks Are we keeping it real? Are we looking for approval and gratification? These good questions and more will be answered by my guests, Richard Biglia and Sam Cushing, two social media titans slash influencers of good. I can't wait to share this good new episode with you. Until then, be good.